Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 6, how Noah was perfect and not half-hearted, and we'll learn about the difference of half-heartedness versus wholeheartedness from the Bible. Now, before we begin our Bible study here with Tom Cantor today on Friendship with God, we want to introduce to you the new Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor. It's an amazing study Bible that features the greatest resources and Bible study helps available on the market today. Now, this King James Study Bible and Reference Bible has genuine lambskin leather, over 2,200 pages of Bible helps and references and outlines. In fact, over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, 12 custom-made full-color maps, as well as a History of Israel nine-page full-color timeline map, and a full Bible concordance, popular Bible scripture references to study and memorize, prophecy and fulfillment study section, names of the Messiah study section, the life of Joseph study, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah study section, Hebrew root notations and definitions, as well as how to receive the Jewish Messiah, also a tour of the Bible scripture journey, daily bread reading notations, over 600 pages of Bible study helps with the Friendship with God King James Study Bible. You will enjoy this Bible from Tom Cantor, and we'll pre-sell it today for a donation of $100 or more to the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. Donate today and receive the new Tom Cantor Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible, over 2,200 pages. You'll enjoy this Bible. Call us now at 800-247-3051. You can also call us after the program. Again, 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Sign up to receive this Bible at the beginning of January. 800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis. He calls that his strange work. When he does acts of judgment, he calls that his strange acts. Why? Because he doesn't want to do it. He has to do it. He will do it because of his holiness and his righteousness. But it just isn't who he is. And so, therefore, he says, I'll do it, but it's strange to me. I don't like doing it. It's a strange work. It's a strange act. Why? Because James 2.13 says, Mercy rejoices against judgment. In other words, mercy, when judgment is coming, mercy says, let's have a party and ask for the people who want mercy to come. And we're going to have a great... And think of Noah in that way as a man who needed mercy from God. And Noah came and he found mercy in the eyes of the Lord. He found the mercy of God. He found the grace of God. Think of Noah as a poor man. He looked at himself, he says, I'm poor. I'm a man with no mercy. I'm a man with no grace. I'm poor in mercy. I'm poor in grace. And then poor Noah went looking for mercy and grace. And when Noah called on the name of the Lord, Noah became rich in mercy, and he became rich in God's grace. Why? Because Noah found God, and God made Noah rich in mercy. That's exactly what it means in Ephesians 2.4 when it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. And then when Noah called on God for mercy, he found God to be rich 
And God made Noah rich in grace. Rich in grace. That's exactly what it means when it says in Romans 10, 12, that there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile, for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. These are fantastic words. God is rich unto all that call upon him. God is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, rich unto all. And Noah tapped in to that riches, and he became a man who was rich in God's mercy and rich in God's grace. Now, the amazing thing about this, about Noah, was that all the riches and all the mercy were there all along, and they were just waiting for someone to come and find that hidden treasure of grace and mercy. And it didn't have to be Noah only. Sadly, it was. But it didn't have to do that. Because, like we just said, Romans 10, 12 says, God is rich unto all, not just to Noah, but unto all his grace is rich unto all that call upon him. You know, that's the way it is today. Like Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, who told the Christian debater that he would give anything if he could have the peace that that Christian debater had. But Richard Dawkins can have that peace. That's the truth, according to the scripture. He can have that peace as anyone can, because anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can find that the Lord Jesus Christ will be rich to him. Now, how bad is the world that we live in today? Not nearly as bad as Noah lived in. I'm sure we think it's ten times worse, but it's not. What kind of a person was Noah living in all this evil around him? Genesis 6, 9 explains to us about Noah. It says several things. One, Noah was a just man. Two, perfect in his generations. Three, Noah walked with God. Okay, first, Noah was a just or righteous man. How could Noah be a just or righteous person? How is that possible? Because Noah put his trust in God. Noah wholeheartedly believed in God. How do we know that Noah believed God? Well, in verse 13, it starts with, And God said to Noah, And then God tells Noah, that he's going to judge the earth. God tells Noah why he's going to judge the earth. And then God gives to Noah a kind of a long list of very detailed instructions for what he's got to do. He's got to build the ark. It's got to be this long, this wide, this tall. There's the window. There's the door. There's the three stories. You've got to bring in two of every kind. He delineates. God delineates. Don't forget the creepy crawlies and so forth. And then he says, and the food, and he gives them. Then comes a really important verse, which is the last verse in this chapter. And it says, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. How do we know that Noah believed God? Because Noah did what God told him to do. And because Noah believed God, and showed that he believed God by obeying God. 
We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel, and we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they too might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God has then advised the corrective action. Man's thoughts and his imaginations are nonstop evil. The earth is an evil place at this time. How do we know that Noah believed God? Because Noah did what God told him to do. God used Noah's belief that was proven by his obedience as a basis for God counting Noah righteous. Put Noah's name on the column of righteous because he believed me, God says. That's exactly the same pattern that was used for Abraham. God told Abraham, and leave your country, lech lecha, in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, God said, walk and keep walking. He says, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Leave, he told him. And then he promised him, In verse 3 of chapter 12, Genesis 12, he said, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, in the same way, God told Abraham what he was going to do. And in the same way as Noah, Abraham responded because the fourth verse of Genesis 12 says, And Abram departed. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, that's an example for us. These two people are our examples. They are our examples. When we know that God is going to cast every lost, unrepentant sinner into hell, and that he has given to the world his gospel message for all to believe, we should respond with, what do I do? What should I do? That's the spirit of Abraham and Noah. Okay, I see what you can do. Where do I fit in? What do you want me to do? Just like Noah, Abraham believed God, and his belief, God said, okay, I see Abraham has believed God. Put him down on the list of the righteous because for his belief. That we get from Genesis 15, 6, where it says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted on it to him for righteousness. This moved him from the column of what I see as sinful and put him over in this column over here as righteousness. That's a righteousness by faith, by faith in God. And you can see how exactly Noah got this special type of righteousness. If you like to turn to it and keep your place in it, please, because we'll come back to it. Hebrews eleven seven. Here it says about Noah, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't see with the eyes. Of things not seen as yet. 
And that's an important two words, as yet. He moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. All that we talked about here of Noah believed God and Abraham believed God and God moved him from the sinner to the righteousness column. That's the righteousness which is by faith. So how did Noah move out to build the ark? By faith. What did he inherit as a result of his faith? Righteousness not his own. So that explains how Noah was a just and righteous man. He had no righteousness in himself. Why? Because in Psalm 14.1, it explains that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, they're corrupt, they've done abominable works. There is none, God says, that doeth good. There is none that doeth good. And that includes Noah. As Paul said in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Why is there none righteous? Because there's no one who has perfect rule over his imaginations, over his thoughts. There's nobody who has perfect rule over his imaginations or thoughts. And are thoughts and imaginations so bad? Well, maybe not in the eyes of the civil law today, but Proverbs tells us in 24.9, the thought of foolishness is sin as far as God is concerned. This is very encouraging to us when we read this because it means that even though we don't have complete control over our thoughts, over our words, and over our actions, as some, a dear friend of mine told me yesterday about a, a terrible thing that he had done when he got angry, even though he, during that time, didn't have complete control over his actions, and we've all been there, our righteousness is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a righteousness by faith, not a righteousness by works. In 1 Corinthians 1.30 it says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God or from God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. God has made the Lord Jesus Christ for us to be our righteousness. And so when we're accused by the enemy of our souls, or when we condemn ourselves and say we're pretty bad and we're far from righteous, God speaks. Those are like weapons that are formed against us. And God says in Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment. Why is the tongue going to rise against thee in judgment? Because you're not righteous. Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Noah inherited righteousness. And then it says, And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isaiah 54, 17. It is so good to know that when we are accused with the weapons formed against us that accuse us of our sinfulness, that God steps in between us and the accuser, even if it's our own heart, and he says, do you have a problem with the righteousness of my children? You have to see me, because their righteousness is of me. In Isaiah 54, 17. Now, when we're dressed, and God says we're going to be dressed in righteousness, we'll say 
with the words of Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Oh, that's nice, wedding dresses. Oh, I look good. Don't you think I look good? You know, we've been there, seen that. And it looked great. And say, look, and say, I feel so good. I look so good. Look at this. And that's the spirit. He says, as a bride adorneth herself, not just with with the dress, but the jewels. And he says, feel so special. He said, that's what God says. You rejoice like that when I have covered you with the robe of righteousness. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we wear that robe like a wedding dress. Well, if you're a woman, a wedding dress, but anyway. Uh, Love righteousness, just like Adam wore the God-made coats of skin. Our righteousness speaks of the one who died for us. Next, it says, Noah was a perfect man. Say, perfect? Oh, boy, here we go again. Perfect. How can he be perfect? Nobody's perfect. What does it mean? It's what it says in Genesis 6, 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah's a just man. Perfect. Does it mean that Noah never sinned? No, no, no. doesn't mean that Noah was perfect in that sense, because we've already seen that no one can be that. Well, what does it mean? The word used here, tamim, for perfect, has this meaning of wholeness. It's translated in other places. Whole, sincere, complete, and without blemish. And what it's saying here is that Noah had a whole heart. He had a whole heart toward God. Noah was what we would say wholehearted. Noah was a wholeheartedly sold out for God. Have you ever prayed to God and you use the same phrases as I have? And while you're praying, you caught yourself saying the words, but you're someplace else? You're thinking about something else? That's wholehearted praying. Have you ever read a Bible passage or several chapters and you close the Bible And you can't remember anything about what you just read. And if somebody came to you and said to you, what did you just read? You couldn't answer. That's half-hearted Bible reading. Have you ever started out with a purpose to bring the gospel to a lost person only to have your conversation reduced to just mundane things and you never talk about God? That's half-hearted witnessing. Have you ever, like me, had an unsaved friend or a relative who is on their way to hell? You know, they're not saved. They're on their way to hell. And that friend or relative has never seen you afraid for them going to hell? That's half-hearted concern for the lost. Have you ever heard a joke like I did this last week? We went out to the desert for a few days and around the pool. This Jewish man comes and he tells a joke about hell. You ever heard a joke about hell? You ever told a joke about hell? And you laughed? That's half-hearted belief in hell. After all, we would never, no one would ever laugh at a joke about Auschwitz. No one would ever laugh about that. Why? Because we wholeheartedly believe that there was an Auschwitz. Hell is infinitely worse than Auschwitz. Have you ever prayed for or talked with an unsaved person and never thought of or never let your heart be broken for the fact that he's bound for hell, that's again, half-hearted concern for the lost. You ever come to church 
and been physically present in the pew, but you're not really there because you're not tracking with the teacher. Are you doing that right now? (laughs) That's half-hearted being in church. Half-heartedness is a disease that plagues us. When it says that Noah was perfect, it means that Noah was not half-hearted. It means that Noah was wholehearted. He was sold out for God. He was red hot for God. God, he's looking today for wholehearted believers. He's looking for those who are red hot for God. He's looking for those who are 100% sold out for God because he wants to funnel his strength and his power into that person. As a matter of fact, you can imagine that when God is scouring the earth with his eyes, that he's getting eye strain for that. Someone should get him an aspirin. It says that in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is whole toward him. Wholeheartedness. So God calls half-heartedness, he calls that lukewarmness. And we all know what he thinks about lukewarmness. And we have this indication. And it's interesting when you read all of the verses in Revelation 3 together. And he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, he said, I will spew you, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing, and knowest not? that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee, he goes on to say, buy from me, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes solved, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, and that word is hot. Be hot, he says. Red hot, well, it says zealous. Therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Half-heartedness comes from when we think that we're on easy street, that we're comfortable, that we don't have any troubles or problems. Show me a believer who thinks that he's rich, that he's increased with good, and he doesn't have a need for anything, and I'll show you a half-hearted believer. Half-heartedness is the disease. And that's why Paul and Peter said, as a remedy for that, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.16, Wherefore, you speaking to Timothy, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.1, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And our teacher for not having half-heartedness is David, king of Israel. David, king of Israel, he worked hard to have a whole heart. He worked hard to be on fire for God. He said in Psalm 9-1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 111-1, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Psalm 119-10, with my whole heart. Have I sought thee? Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalm 119.34 Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Psalm 119.145 I cried, that's prayer, I cried with my whole heart 
Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. So where's our example of wholeheartedness? It's in the King David, we see that there. But it's also in the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in his wholeheartedness for his love for the Jewish people who rejected him. Turn, if you would, please, to Jeremiah thirty-two forty-one. God says, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Even though the Jewish people have rejected him and despised him, we see in the Lord Jesus Christ such a love for them that he says, I've thrown my whole heart into this. I've thrown my whole soul into doing them good and into planting them in the land of Israel. Well, that's as far as we can go this morning. Let's pray. Father, please, we're asking you this morning, each one of us, give us this whole heart. Give us, Lord, make us to be red hot, on fire, 100%, sold out for God, like Noah, like David, like you, Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful Bible study from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. And for any donation of $100 or more, we will send you Tom Cantor's new Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's over 2,200 pages with over 600 pages of Bible helps. It has a genuine lambskin leather cover and gold lettering. It's got over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It has over 20 full-color custom maps and timelines. It's got a full 1,500-word Bible concordance. It's got the most popular Bible scriptures to study and memorize section. It's got a prophecy and fulfillment section, names of the Messiah section, the life of Joseph study section, and so many other amazing Bible helps. It's yours for a donation of $100. Call us, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.